In this episode, we're going to be looking at a strong word from the Apostle Paul about our commitment to transformation as he challenges us to adopt the attitude of a living sacrifice. Evangelist D.L. Moody once said that the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. (laughs) I'm guilty, not only of doing this personally more times than I care to admit, but of also watching others do the same and not doing a dang thing to stop it. Today, men, I'm going to tell you how to stop crawling off the altar. Welcome to the Reman Initiative. Hey, thanks everybody for taking a few minutes out of your Monday or whatever day you might be listening to share that time with me. Today, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture out of the book of Romans chapter 12, verse one. And here the apostle Paul is giving the Roman believers some strong encouragement around transformation and the attitude that he wants them to adopt. He says, therefore, I strongly encourage you, brothers and sisters, by the tender mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and pleasing to God, which is your logical and reasonable service to Him. Do not be conformed to this present world order, the worldview of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and prove to yourself what is the will of God, what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. Last week, we discussed the need for us as men to be intentional, to be intentionally engaged with the living Word of God, and that Jesus is the Logos or the living Word of God. I want to briefly look at the opening passages of the Apostle John's Gospel account. I'm going to simply read to you what John said about Jesus, and then, if you'll bear with me for a few minutes, I want to tie that passage in John 1 to this passage in Romans 12. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now keep in mind that the him in these passages is Jesus, because who is Jesus? He's the Word. I love this description of Jesus because it's like the ultimate origin story for an epic hero. I despise the images of Jesus that permeate our culture today. That image of the weak, effeminate-looking dude with the round doe eyes, the fair skin, the long, wispy hair, and the powder-blue bathrobe with a pretty white sash tied neatly around his waist and a little lamb hanging gently in his arms. Look, I'm not saying that Jesus isn't gentle and kind. Of course he is. But this is not the image that most closely represents our king. John gives us a glimpse into who he really is. 
And the strength and the glory of who Jesus really is makes Thor Batman look like the dudes in the cheap bathrobes. I think it's important for us to have a solid idea of just who this king is. Who is this man that we have sworn allegiance to? If we don't know the answer to this, when it gets hard, and boys, it's going to get hard, we are more likely to fall aside and shrink back. If the image you have of Jesus in your mind's eye doesn't inspire you to lay everything at his feet and give every last ounce of courage and commitment to him, then you don't see him for who he really is. Have you ever asked yourself why a group of rugged, hard-working, blue-collar types like the fishermen that followed Jesus would even be willing to risk it all? I mean, if the image of Jesus that you have in your mind showed up on your job today and asked you to leave it all behind and follow him, would the door be hitting you in the rear end as you walked out of your job to follow him? Now, to be fair, those rugged men that first followed Jesus, they didn't really see him for who he was initially either. For most of them, it wasn't until after the crucifixion and the resurrection that they began seeing him for who he really was. After the resurrection, the same men that ran like scared little girls when Jesus was arrested by the high priest's guard the night that he was betrayed are the same men that stood boldly in the streets of Jerusalem and in inquisition by the same rulers and religious leaders that condemned Jesus to death, boldly preaching the message of a risen Savior and the power of this story to save and transform men and women, those who place their trust in Jesus the chosen one. These men, with the exception of the Apostle John, were all martyred for their allegiance and dedication to Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. What we know about the Apostles' deaths are based on some historical accounts and some accounts that were passed down by Christian traditions. Andrew, he was the brother of Peter. He was crucified. Bound, not nailed to a cross, but tied to one in a city in southern Greece. He hung alive there for two days, preaching to all the spectators, and then finally died on the third day. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was skinned alive and crucified, head down by the idolaters of Armenia. James the Greater, son of Zebedee, this would be the brother of the apostle John, was beheaded with a sword by Herod Agrippa around 44 AD near Palestine, not far from where he was a local missionary to the Jews in Judea. It's worth noting that in this story, his claimed accuser was converted by James's courage, and the two of them were beheaded together. James the Just, brother of Jesus, and the first bishop of Jerusalem was martyred around 62 AD, he was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple, and when that didn't kill him, they began to stone him. He was finally killed by a blow to the head from a launderer's club. Matthew, the former tax collector, was martyred around 60 AD by being staked and speared to the ground. He had been preaching in Ethiopia and was killed for questioning the morals of the king there. Simon Peter was crucified in Rome by Nero around 68 AD, upside down at Peter's request because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Philip in 54 AD in Egypt 
was tortured and impaled by iron hooks in his ankles and hung upside down until he died. Simon the Canaanite was crucified in Britain in 74 AD and then sawn in two. Thomas, the one we would call Doubting Thomas, was martyred and thrust through with a spear in India. Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, was martyred by being dragged to death. Luke, the physician, was hung to death from an olive tree. Matthias, the disciple that took the place of Judas, was stoned and beheaded at Jerusalem. The apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, was beheaded by the emperor Nero in Rome. Jude, who wrote the book of Jude, was beaten with a club and then crucified in 72 AD. And John the Beloved, the son of Zebedee, brother of James, would be the only one who died of old age. Not because they didn't try to kill him. The emperor Domitian in Rome commanded that he be boiled in oil. And when they put John in there, it didn't touch him. And he was just preaching from the pot. He was banished to the island of Patmos in AD 97. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. He was later freed and went to preach in Turkey and died at the age of 100 in the city of Edessa. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is strongly encouraging those who are in Rome to present their bodies as living sacrifices. The problem as mentioned earlier is that living sacrifices tend to keep crawling off the altar. And I'm guilty of it. But for the men who really knew Jesus, there was no crawling off of that altar. They did not have any issue giving all they had to the very last full measure of breath because they knew who Jesus really was. They loved him deeply, and it was that knowing and loving of our King that inspired them to never crawl off the altar. When you really know who you're sworn to, and you see him for who he really is, the desire to keep crawling off the altar leaves you. True transformation requires that we know Jesus, who he really is, and that we develop a self-sacrificing sort of love relationship with him. It's the foundation of transformation. As we continue discussing transformation in our lives, brother, my prayer for you right now is that you'll begin to see Jesus for who he really is, because when that happens, nobody will need to convince you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. You will be blown away by the fact that you get to do that. There you have it, guys. How to stop crawling off the altar. Really know who you're serving. Develop a deep love relationship with your king. I'm talking about the kind of self-sacrificing love relationship that these men had. Because when you have that, you will not ever think of crawling off that altar. You'll be shocked that you even get the honor to put your life on there for him. Until next week, guys, I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you, that the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you, and that the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God bless, brothers. You've been listening to the Reman Initiative. For more information, check out our website at www.experienceremand.com. There's a contact page there. Why don't you take some time to drop me a note and let me know what you thought of today's show. 
Or maybe you've got a question you'd like for me to dive into in a future episode. Let me know about that. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, why don't you give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes? It'll help us reach other men with what is intended to be a lifeline and a message of hope. Until next week, have a great day, guys. God bless. Thank you.